Hi, and welcome to another episode of Economist Corner, a CETA podcast where leading economists break down the latest news and policy updates. I'm Jared Ball, Chief Economist of CETA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. Well, we've just wrapped our 42nd annual State of the Nation conference, and it was a fantastic three days of conversations. One of the key themes that emerged was that while we should celebrate our success so far and our very impressive economic recovery, we must not rest on our laurels. Now is the time to lock in the long-term future growth and prosperity of the nation. This episode is a collection of brief interviews that our Chief Executive Melinda Salento and I did with some of the key speakers at the conference after their appearances. But first, Melinda has joined me to discuss some of the highlights and the key issues of the conference. Hi, Melinda. Hi, Jared. How, how did you survive that crazy three days? Well, it was, um, you know, as I was saying before we came on, I mean, probably the, you know, the kind of most nervous moment for me was uh, in the session that I was chairing when uh, I told everyone that we were about to come to order and they should, um, you know, sit down. Uh, and everyone stood up and, and went and got coffees and dessert. Um, but, um, <laughs> but we managed to get through somehow. Well, I think it's just a sign that, uh, the amount of content that we were getting through and the seriousness of the conversations meant that caffeine was required. Yeah, and sugar. Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely certain of that. Um, so, so this is an annual conference um, and we have had it for 42 years, which is quite incredible, without interruption, including due to a pandemic, and we, we still did it last year uh, in a different format. And we are in such a better position in many respects than anyone anticipated last year. Um, but at the same time, we're dealing with outbreaks. We're dealing with an outbreak in New South Wales that, that you know, had an impact uh, in terms of this conference and, and speakers and so forth. Um, we're getting on top of things, um, but there's still a complacency. And I think there's a, there's a complacency perhaps around the virus, but there's also a complacency around our long-term future and perhaps that this kind of bounce back and you know, lower rate of unemployment. Um, is this actually um, real and can we sustain this into the long term? And I think we really kind of faced into some of those issues during the conference. Yeah, it was really interesting for me, I think, because, you know, obviously CETA is trying to look longer term and think about the issues that are going to drive, you know, future uh, prosperity, both in terms of a strong economy, but also a strong uh, community. Um, and so it's it's sort of a feature of our State of the Nation conference. This year felt really different in the sense that it was so hard to get away from the shorter-term reflections. Uh, as an annual conference, you do tend to sort of want to look back a little bit at the, at the year that was. Uh, when we do that, I mean, last year, this time last year, I mean, it was just crazy. No one really knew what to expect. We'd kind of, the virus had kind of settled down, but... Um, but really people were um, very uncertain and nervous about the economic outlook. Fast forward to now, there's no doubt the economy is just miles stronger than we expected. Um, no one thought that the V would be as steep as it has been and that we would get back to pre-pandemic levels of economic activity and employment, quite frankly, not just pre-pandemic but higher levels. So I think on the one hand that, that was, you know, that was good, um, but then we're trying to have conversations about the future and the sort of the kind of strange thing was that so many of those conversations were harking back to the very issues that we were talking about, uh, you know, as in, in the year before the pandemic. So it was just sort of this really kind of strange um, set of circumstances and trying to get your head around that, I think. 
Yeah, look, I think people generally are feeling a little bit disoriented or may, maybe that just reflects my disorientation, uh, Melinda, but I, I feel like, you know, 2021 is proving to be this kind of strange kind of transition year, whereas, you know, 2020, as horrendous as it was, we all really knew um, what we were getting ourselves in for in terms of, you know, work from home uh, and where we thought the, the economy might go and preparing for the worst. And this year we've kind of got some of the best of circumstances and the worst of circumstances at the same time, and particularly in terms of that level of uncertainty that we have around the future path of the virus uh, at the moment and some of those sectors um, that are really adversely impacted from closed international borders. Um, so I, I think it, it makes it made for an interesting conversation across the three days. Um, and what we've obviously tried to do in these interviews is to get some of our guests to speak on the longer term horizons. Um, and as you say, there are a lot of the similar issues uh, pre-pandemic. Pre uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that there were certainly also some dots being joined around what happened um, over the last 18 months through COVID and, and sort of playing those forward into the future. So, um, you know, people like Sam Moston talking about, um, you know, what the crisis has meant for certain groups in our community, women and young people, uh, and what the challenges are uh, for them in, in the future in terms of lifting participation, um, really leveraging diversity, leveraging diversity in, in a way that helps us to better tackle some of the future problems. Um, you know, I had a, a, a quick chat with Sue McCluskey about tax reform. I mean, we've been talking about tax reform for a long time now, but when you think about the fact that we're, our economy is just back to where it was in 2019 and we're celebrating that, you know, I think people are, are looking next year and thinking, well, where is the spark for business investment? Where is the spark for innovation? And what role, um, you know, taxation and tax reform in that? And then in some of our other sessions, we were talking about things like trade, which, of course, has been the cornerstone of our economic development and prosperity. It was really hard to get away from the here and now of the border closures. So even though we've done a really good job of maintaining relationships, um, and that, and partnerships and commercial partnerships, and that's been critical to our ongoing economic success through the pandemic. Um, each of our speakers there was talking about, you know, what the implications of another year of closed borders will be for those connections. And I had a, you know, a chat with a couple of the ambassadors uh, and the Indian High Commissioner, and you know, not surprisingly, we we spoke about international students. Uh, and he explained, you know, some of the frustration that the international students, the Indian students uh, feel from really not being able to get on with their lives, having committed to educating themselves in Australia. Well, I think you've given us a great kind of teaser around these conversations. Uh, and so I think we should we should uh, get to hear from the, the speakers. Um, so let's jump to them. But thanks for that, Melinda. Thanks, Jared. So I'm here with Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, um, having just given us a keynote address, first of the State of the Nation uh, 2021. Treasurer, you talked in your comments about uh, speaking to former Prime Minister John Howard um, and the observation that during a crisis, um, I think you said um, there's no um, ideological constraints. constraints. Has that caused you to, you know, the experience of this crisis, has that caused you to think differently about policy more broadly and perhaps being a little bit, I don't know, bolder or risk-taking? Well, there are things that we've done in a pandemic that you're not 
you wouldn't normally do, like an economy-wide wage subsidy such as JobKeeper. Um, there were other programs uh, and temporary uh, changes that we made, um, some of which we then turned into permanent changes. Uh, for example, uh, around foreign investment, we made some changes, but then we, we permanently made some longer-term structural changes. They're built on those changes. Um, we provided some regulatory relief uh, for companies around virtual AGMs, for example, uh, as the physical AGMs couldn't be held, or electronic signatures, things that were then taken up in more permanent form uh, as the economy recovered. So I think for all decision-makers across all levels of government, and indeed the private sector, the pandemic forced us to think in different ways. And that has, I think, produced better outcomes. Mm. And some of those temporary changes that were required at the heart of the pandemic have now become permanent changes that I think will support the economy very strongly. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, I'm here with Anthony Albanese, the uh, leader of the opposition. Uh, Anthony, we've just heard a fantastic speech from you. I've got the opportunity to ask you one pointed question. Here at CETA, we're really focused on how we create a dynamic economy in Australia. What's your number one priority? Number one, um, we have many, but a major priority will be maximising the workforce participation. And you do that through childcare. I think that women's workforce participation is a major way going forward. You do it in a way uh, by moving towards universal provision of affordable childcare will, in my view, be as significant a reform as universal provision of healthcare through Medicare, universal superannuation, uh, making sure that it's not seen as a welfare measure, but this is an economic reform. That's fantastic, and we look forward to hearing more about that. Uh, intergenerational report out next week. I'm sure we'll be focusing on participation, productivity and population. Indeed, Thank the, you. the big three P's of growth and <laughs> uh, of course childcare does all of them, ticks those three boxes. Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony Albanese. Thanks very much. Well, that was Anthony Albanese, opposition leader here in Australia. I'm Melinda Salento, Chief Executive of CETA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. Well, I'm here with um, Sam Mostyn, who's just been on the CETA State of the Nation stage talking about economic dynamism. Sam, I'm really interested in just your short takeout on, you know, what the key issues are for Australia's uh, future economic mission. Thanks so much, Melinda. I guess two things for me. The first is we saw through COVID that we could become, from a policy point of view and from a leadership point of view, um, a little bit nervous or risk averse. And, and actually right now, we've got to be prepared to take some big risks and, and make sure we don't roll back many of the gains made for the country, in particular, those gains made around diversity and inclusion and the role of women. So right now, we've got to keep our foot on the accelerator on gender equality and ensuring that we continue to support those policies that see women into the senior ranks of, of the economy and um, our organisations and government. And we know there's a very real risk at the moment of that winding back. So we've got to keep um, we've got to keep very focused on that and not just limited to women, but to the, the incredible richness of diversity of background and thought that could sit in those that will need to be leading our, our policy reform and the leadership of the country. 
And then if we can get that right, one of the things I don't think we're talking about enough is that one of the big reforms that I think will lead to economic dynamism and our real future prosperity is putting children and care at the centre of our thought when it comes to the big policy shifts, um, in addition, I guess, to the, to the climate story. But the care issues take us to a, re a reformation about the way we think about social policy. This is all about human services and how we get the best services delivered by people into the caring sectors across our economy. And I believe that's going to be the next big economic mission which will lead to a future pros prosperity for, for those younger Australians who are very nervous about the future, um, but where we've got great skills um, and, and ability. So, yeah, really changing the whole dynamics on, on social policy into economic dynamism and, and our future prosperity. Well, thanks, Sam. Two big challenges and a way uh, very much interlinked diversity, um, more women in, in more important roles in our society, economy um, and business. Um, and of course, uh, you know, care is, is a women's dominated sector. So women are going to have to play a really critical role in thinking about how we transform uh, human services and care into the future. Great topics to finish off our chat on. That's Sam Mostyn, just been on the CEDA State of the Nation stage. I'm Melinda Salento, CEO of CEDA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. I'm here with Sue McCluskey, non-executive director, farmer, all-around tax reform specialist. Sue, just off the State of the Nation stage, uh, tax reform, a massive issue. Uh, can we get the conversation started again? How long will it take? We absolutely have to get the conversation started. Um, let's hope it's not going to take a long time, but we really need to start thinking about how we're going to fund things such as aged care, health care, with an ageing population. We have to think about how are, we going to, how are we going to pay for it? And the ways we're going to pay for it has to include thinking about tax reform, changes to the way we, we see our tax system, thinking about what's equitable, what's right, what needs to change, what it's going to cost and how we can raise the revenue through that. And I think being open-minded about uh, the issues we want to tackle and perhaps a little bit less wedded to solutions that we've dug in on in the past. Well, I think, you know, we've always got to look over the horizon and not just look over our shoulder. We can learn from what we see over our shoulder, but we've got to be thinking about the future and the future generations. So intergenerational report out on Monday. Is that the moment when we can reignite a serious tax conversation in Australia? We have to make it. We have to make it the moment that we actually stick the linchpin in the ground and say, thinking about the future and future generations what are the things that need to be part of that that discussion? Tax reform absolutely has to be there. Let's start talking about tax reform now. And let's do the thinking and the groundwork now so we're ready to respond when governments, communities and businesses are ready to be part of that discussion. Well, thanks. That's Sue McCluskey here at State of the Nation. I'm Melinda Salento, the CEO of CEDA, the Committee for Economic Development of Australia. Ambassador Lagoa, um, You've just come off the Cedar State of the Nation stage, uh, a wide-ranging conversation, but let me ask you this question. How do you think we can improve our relationship with Indonesia? Well, uh, first, actually, I would like to, to convey to you that the relation between Indonesia and Australia has never been better than before. As you might have known, in 2018, our two leaders have declared the elevation of our relation from comprehensive partnership to become comprehensive strategic partnership. And uh, 
on the 5th of July last year, last year, uh, it has marked the entry into force of the long-awaited Indonesia australia comprehensive economic partnership agreement those two agreements are paramount important in the enhancement of the relations between our two countries and with that actually we have agreed also on the implementation of the plan of action that's been endorsed by our two leaders also during the visit of uh, our president to australia last year so I think we, we have so much uh, in our plate, what we need to do is to act. Yeah. And with that, actually, something that we really hope we could make it happen uh, this year is the visit of uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison to Indonesia. From uh, what I heard uh, from the information that I heard from the Fed, it is still very much in his agenda. I mean, the visit of uh, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison to Indonesia will become uh, a big push. Will 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 be giving a big push to us, especially in the Indian language, this trying time. That's fantastic. Hopefully that visit goes ahead and we see yeah. great progress. Thank you again thank for you. your time. Thank you. Hi, Commissioner Vora. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being on the State of the Nation stage. Uh, our relationship with India, obviously a very important one. Big focus for us, obviously, international students. Uh, borders are closed. How significant is this from your perspective? Well, I think uh, for the students it's extremely significant. Uh, while one can understand that uh, certain other people stuck in Australia, for them it might just be a matter of a few days or a few weeks. Uh, the students have actually been stuck uh, for over a year now, 14 months now. And, uh, you know, these are young boys and girls who've, uh, who've paid uh, top dollar to enroll at Australian universities and for whom, uh, uh, and it's quite understandable, that, you know, online classes is really quite, not quite the same as in-person learning and the campus experience. Uh, so they're missing out on all of that. They are getting increasingly frustrated, I must uh, say. They are getting increasingly vocal on social media. They are increasingly both requesting and demanding uh, that uh, something be done to get them back uh, so that uh, they can resume the kind of education that they had hoped for when they enrolled. Uh, so I think it is uh, important to find those solutions that these uh, students are seeking. Uh, the numbers uh, are uh, large but not unmanageable, the numbers of those who are stuck and the numbers of uh, students who are attracted overall by Australia to come to Australia and study here and, and contribute to your huge uh, education export sector. Uh, you know, uh, one would not want uh, too much negativity to spread uh, for too long. And therefore, I think we need to find solutions. I know that universities, Australian universities themselves are concerned. I know state governments are concerned. I know the federal government is concerned. Um, but I think uh, sooner, hopefully, rather than later, some actual real solutions need to be found to bring them in. Our Commissioner, thank you so much for your time. That was Ambassador Lagawa from Indonesia and the Indian High Commissioner Vora um, just off the CETA State of the Nation stage, giving us some perspectives on important aspects of their relationship with Australia.
Romilly Majew, uh, CEO of Infrastructure Australia. Thank you uh, so much for joining us on this little um, State of the Nation Vox Pop. We've just had a great session talking about sustainable infrastructure. And one of the things that you were talking about and certainly that uh, IA has been focused on is the changes and the trends that we've seen in terms of how people are living and using infrastructure uh, since COVID-19. And obviously we'd expect that some of those trends are gonna be uh, temporary and some may be permanent. What's what's the, the research telling you uh, and your data telling you about uh, how people uh, are changing and how infrastructure use has uh, changed over the last uh, 12 to 18 months? It's been a really interesting time for everybody and I think what we the word I would use is that we've all adapted quite quickly. But there's been one area particularly that has uh, everyone has used and that's the use of technology. If you think about uh, how we've pivoted quite quickly to working from home, to using collaborative online tools, to using data to, to track how we're going, if you think about the use of QR codes, uh, and when we look at construction on site, again, the use of technology in drones uh, and, the, again, the use of the QR codes. So one area we do believe will stick is this up a fast uptake in the use of technology, uh, that won't change, that will continue. And that trend was happening, but what's happened is it's it's really, it, there's been a trajectory in the use of technology and also innovation in technology. Another trend that we think won't stick is uh, the trend was a decrease in the use of public transport uh, for a, a lot of reasons, but the main one being safety. Uh, we believe that in the future people will go back to use in, tra in public transport uh, in the future when when we're back into a, 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 a more a safer environment when it comes to COVID. Uh, so that's one area where we, we believe we'll go back to normal. Another area we think that will stick is this more flexibility in the workplace around working from home. Uh, we, we aren't sure yet, and we, we because we're still in the throes of COVID, about the impact that will have on our cities. And that that is the same from around the world. People are saying that they're unsure, but there's definitely been a change in the uh, mindset around flexibility and working from home. And the final one is, uh, again, use of technology uh, is, and we, we, we believe this will stick, is the use of telehealth. Uh, it went from something like 0. 5% to 35% in a six-month period. And that's a huge uptick. And that really opens up the opportunities for people in remote, rural and regional Australia to have a better access to healthcare and discussions with healthcare providers. Uh, that's one we do believe will stick. And I guess, Romley, you know, all of this runs into this challenge that we have uh, at the moment. Obviously, we've, you know, based on the need for stimulus, we, we have really focused on... Um, boosting the infrastructure spend, but also wanting to get more projects uh, into, the, into the market and speed things up. Um, there's obviously a tension here in terms of, um, you know, building infrastructure in a way that is sustainable and resilient, uh, but also wanting to meet those kind of, um, you know, pace or, or size kind of objectives around the economic uh, multiplier impact. How, how do governments and, and infrastructure providers need to sort of reconcile those two uh, objectives? Uh, governments uh, have a number of levers. Uh, if we look at public infrastructure, uh, they are procuring it, they're planning it, they're executing it, 
And so government, uh, state and territory governments should use these levers uh, right up front when they're putting tenders out. And in Australia, we already have tools that can be used and embedded, such as the Infrastructure Sustainability Council of Australia's rating tool and Green Building Council of Australia's Green Star tool. And, and both of them can be used with economic and social infrastructure. But secondly, in thinking about the procurement model, they, governments need to think about what they are asking uh, when uh, contractors are responding to these procurement um, uh, submissions that are going out. And they, they can include things such as uh, the proposal should identify environmental effects and a plan put in place. The proposal should meet the needs of the present without compromise, compromising the ability of the future generations. And proposals should also improve the ability of the community to anticipate, resist, absorb, recover, transform and thrive in response to shocks and stresses. So governments, I suppose the clear lever would be the use of government's procurement requirements and having conversations when they're putting these submissions and proposals and bids out to be open-minded that we won't change overnight. Infrastructure is quite complex and they need to be open-minded and go on a journey with the industry and with the sector and work with them collaboratively to embed these sustainability and resilience principles within these large-scale projects that are being procured around Australia. Well, Romilly, I feel like we're going to be uh, talking about these things um, a lot more at CEDA uh, with you in, in uh, coming, coming years. So it's great to have your time today, both in terms of State of the Nation and, and coming on the quick uh, State of the Nation Vox Pop. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All the best.